0: Welcome back to the NLP Zone podcast, episode 5. I'm your host, Jordan Luxford, and in this episode, we have a bit of a twist for you. Now, I'll be speaking with Emil Odzikoff. He is the talent manager for the NLP company, Morantix Labs, in Berlin. I thought it'd be a great idea for you to hear what it's like from the other side of the fence, from a talent manager's perspective inside a machine learning NLP company. Now, in this episode, we're gonna be discussing four topics. Current trends in AI, new ways of recruitment, what are today's workers looking for in a company, and where is the future of recruitment going? Now, Emil is a wonderful guy, with an interesting journey that got him to where he is today. He speaks four languages fluently, he's currently learning his German too, you'll see how passionate Emil is about his job and learn what it takes to be the best in your field. I hope you enjoy learning about what it's like from the other side of the fence and get some real value. Enjoy the show. Hey Emil, how are we doing?
1: Hi Jordan, great. How about you?
0: I'm really good, thank you. It's been a it's been a really busy day, but a spectacular day. Has it been a busy one for you?
1: Yeah, same here. It's also so busy, but um, you know how it is is the business we're in, so...
0: Good to be busy, though. That's what I always say. (laughs)
1: Exactly, yeah. Better to be busy than to be uh, bored, which is never the case in this industry, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, look, Emil, I'm really excited to talk to you because you had a similar career path to me in terms of your career working in recruitment and, you know, the ladder that you've taken down this path. So I think this will be a fantastic opportunity for the NLP and AI listeners hear what it's like from the other side of the fence but still in the world of ai so could you tell me a little bit about you and about your journey into it recruitment emil
1: yeah sure uh of course i can uh thank you for having me first of all jordan really a pleasure to speak with you so basically uh my name is emil jakov Uh, To be a bit of a backstory, I was born in Bulgaria, but moved to Spain when I was 10. uh, And I've been living in France, Switzerland, Austria, now Germany. So I have quite a European background, I would say. Uh, I started in uh, recruitment uh, four years ago, actually, uh, in November 2017. A little bit by luck, because I was uh, in sales B2B in an IT company. And uh, somehow I was always interested in HR. uh, And recruitment is a big part of HR. And in 2017, I got a chance to actually go working for a staffing IT agency in Switzerland, in Geneva. And I just took it, you know, uh, single, no kids. Uh, So I said, this is the time now to do those stuff. Uh, And I um, got myself into this industry, uh, this uh, such uh, interesting world. And I've been loving it ever since, to be honest. I'm really in love with with the job.
0: Wicked. And it's, uh, it's quite refreshing to hear that you've done it in so many different locations. I, I did notice from your profile on LinkedIn straight away that you speak fluently four languages, currently learning German, hopefully making it a fifth one soon. Is that right?
1: Yes, yes, that's correct. I lived in France for five years, then I moved to the French part of Switzerland, uh, so my French is fluent. Spanish, of course, I spent 10 years there from, ten, uh, from my 10s to my 20s my original of course mother tongue bulgarian and english uh, which is a language we learned quite early in the east of europe and yeah now i'm with my german hopefully to be fluent soon as well but uh, it's not going to be easy <laughs> let me tell you i'm, I'm having trouble to learn in german to be honest
0: yeah it's a it's a difficult language to learn as we spoke before I've, I've i've attempted to give it give it a go but uh, i it, it you need to have that dedicated time to learn the german language and i, I do think it will be something to tick off eventually but uh go you for for putting in more effort than me so far
1: <laughs> yeah i mean you know i guess you know how it is it's uh humans tend to learn things by need most of the time or by passion and curiosity but need is a great factor and uh when you are working for in berlin or for uh for the berlin uh, environment uh, you don't really need it at a certain point so i can understand people not not speaking german to be honest
0: yeah understood so um obviously i've looked at your career path and we've had some good conversations already now again as we say at the beginning of this conversation you know you've had a career path for recruitment several different companies and you've led yourself now into morantix labs a wonderful looking company why did you choose to join a machine learning ai company like morantix labs
1: Yeah, actually, that's a great question. Uh, Well, I've been looking uh, at AI um, probably since 2016, 2017. I know I'm a really curious person. I always have been, and uh, I kind of saw, especially with Alexa, right, Uh, I was like, okay, this is going to another level. And I started to look at uh, AI, and then, you know, when you're interested in a topic, even though you're you're not working on it, because I was really focused on software engineering uh, back in the day, actually until I was hired by, by Labs, but I had always interest in AI. I knew this was going to be the future. It's already the present in many, many topics, uh, and it's developing at, a, at an amazing speed, uh, and it's definitely the future, right? I mean, I really see uh, basically uh, any major sector working uh, uh, with AI uh from 2030 onwards. Um, I don't see how they, they will actually uh, now work with AI because it's already uh, used in so many um, fields and it's all, all only going to multiply. Um, and I said, um, hey, look, uh, this is actually um, mixing my passion of recruitment and uh, talent management and HR with the future or present even, I would say, uh, which is AI and that was a great opportunity. Um, I took it, I was hired, I was convincing in the interview process and uh, here I am now, uh, six, five weeks after, um, more than a month that I was hired already. We already have done some hirings with the team um, and uh, we are about 30 people currently and uh, we're looking to be around 100 in uh, 18 months. So uh, there's a lot to work, a lot of work to be done, of course.
0: Is that for Morantix Labs alone, 100 people?
1: Correct. So uh, basically, we are uh, part of Mirantic Studio, which is this uh, venture studio that uh, seeds and funds uh, AI-related startups. Uh, We are five startups currently at the AI campus in Berlin, um, and um, probably will be uh, 10 in six months. There's always a couple, two to three, uh, as we call them, uh, entrepreneurs in residence. So people with an idea that actually have been accepted by Merantik Studio, and are looking forward to creating a, a startup. And honestly, uh, there there could be uh, easily uh, around fifty to seventy-five openings uh, between all ventures.
0: Yeah, I have a, I've had a deep look into all of them. and It looks fantastic. What a great idea to have that kind of setup and promoting entrepreneurship and uh, you know fruitful ideas and stuff like that. So, but yeah, just touching on what you were just saying. I mean. Your career path sounds very similar to mine, but you know, obviously you with Marantics Morant- you've gone in internally and mine's just exactly the same, but externally. So, you know, obviously with my recruitment passion tied in with my passion of choice for technology. So as I we've talked talked about before, my initial path into recruitment was to be specialized in, in DevOps, yeah. And I've done really well at that. And when the the age of ai has become more present than ever i thought you know this is something that fascinates me you know almost like a child discovering something for the first time it's just it's just so interesting and that's what led me down this path and i thought you know why not be a recruiter recruiting in something that you found find fascinating doing two of your passions at once so Mm -hmm. yeah interesting path very similar
1: yeah, I guess it's the natural move, right? That you move, you make uh, when you're in a business and you like it, and uh, all of a sudden there is a certain passion about a topic, like it's technology for both of us. Um, and AI is like the most, uh, the best expression of technology, I would say, or or the most advanced one. Yeah, I think it's a natural move for both of us. Actually, it makes a lot of
0: sense. So, could you explain to me then, Emil, what your role is at Morantix Labs?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm the talent manager of Merantix Labs. Uh, I'm in charge of the recruitment, the whole uh, process from A to Z, and also some, uh, you know, uh, admin topics that, uh, of course, HR-related topics like contracts and visas and so on. But I'm really, really focused on recruitment. Currently, we have eight open positions, but that's just gonna, you know, get bigger the number because, as I said, <laughs> we're looking to be around 100 in 18 months which would mean to triple in size uh, in 18 months uh, a month, sorry. And uh, as you know, that's a big challenge.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic growth plan, though. It's better to have than not be growing at all. So congratulations to to you guys and the team. And obviously, you've only just, just began there. So how was it settling into Morantix Labs?
1: Uh, well, uh, yeah, uh, I I am quite new um, in the AI field. To be honest, I need um, to uh, truly really get a lot of education. Uh, I'm constantly, um, uh, you know, reading, um, learning everything about AI, everything l- related to uh, data, um, new trending, uh, and, and so on. So, for me. It, It's not that hard, I would say, because my colleagues are really, um, the team is amazing. So when you have people helping you uh, around, it's much easier. But I think it's key uh, uh, to get self-education, right? So I guess you have experienced that yourself at some point. Probably you do it on a daily basis. I think one of the key uh, successes or the key factors for success in recruitment is to really know what you're talking about. I'm not speaking that uh, we're gonna uh, become engineers uh, in two months, me or you. But definitely, you have to know everything going around uh, around the topic that you're recruiting for. And so, I, I need to do uh, right now a lot of self-education, basically. So I'm reading a lot. I'm, uh, you know, looking at many papers, looking at the trends uh, going on, and um, just connecting with a lot of people. You know, I mean, I really loved your approach, uh, direct approach, because I'm a pretty direct person myself. And uh, that helps a lot. That helps a yeah, lot to, uh, to just approach people and speak to people. Actually, this is the, for me, the easiest way of um, educating yourself is really exchanging with uh, a lot of people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hit the nail on the head then. For, to, if I am to add a point in terms of how I've educated myself in the field, as as you say, we're, we're not tech people ourselves. And I don't think we ever aim to be. We're recruiters. However, in order to make sure that I can at least add value to a conversation and be relatable in some way. Um, yes, from a recruiter side, but is to to educate myself in, in several ways. And the best ones for me has been even networking with, you know, top NLP AI experts within the field, as you've seen from my previous guests on my podcast, just general people on LinkedIn as well that are, are really responsive, um, asking all the questions I possibly can. I always say as well for me youtube is my best friend there's so much you can learn from now i'm quite visual as well when it's when it's explained in pictures and slideshows and so on it's a lot more easily taken in than just you know reading a load of text and stuff like that so yeah they're, they're my points
1: yeah definitely uh i totally agree with you uh youtube is a huge teacher there is i mean pfft. Probably an infinite amount of information there. Uh, I think, um, I mean, I remember you and me uh, talked about Elon Musk, and I I listened to that guy a lot, of course. Um, And he once said in one of his podcasts, he was like, or sorry, not podcasts, but interviews that he he did. uh, He said something like, uh, basically, um, you can learn everything in Google, like you can Google anything and learn tons of information about it. And I really feel like that. I really feel like um, uh, actually education is so behind our era in 2021. I feel like uh, if I had to go back, uh, I mean, my, my uh, studying career, let's put it that way, is quite um, strange because I moved to France with my studies. So it's not uh, the greatest example because I, that allowed me to learn a language and, and many other skills. And maybe that's what uh, helped me uh, to be where I am today. But In any case, if I had to redo my studies again, uh, I'm not sure that I would do any bachelor studies, to be honest, because I feel they're so far behind uh, what what actually is happening, right? I mean, people can learn so much more, uh, I feel, from YouTube or Google than from uh, any given school, you know, or university, actually, if you go out of the Ivy League. So, yeah, you make a great point there.
0: Yeah, just touching on that as well, I'm not sure where I read it. Maybe I see it on some form of advertisement, but apparently Elon Musk has developed or is developing his own school as well, where the children there can choose what they want to learn and then go all in. What a fantastic way.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's totally true, yeah. I actually heard uh, heard him, uh, that was an interview he made and uh, he was asked where his kids study and he was like, uh, I designed my, my own study or school for them because uh, current schools don't offer anything. He was like, you sit there for eight hours or whatever a day and, and you listen about history or music and maybe you have zero interest on those topics. Uh, so yeah, I, I feel like um, current uh, schooling systems. And uh, platforms and organizations are totally behind what's actually going on in the world.
0: Yeah, totally agree with you. And hopefully things can change for the better in the long term.
1: I think that's one of the trends of AI, actually, you know, to uh, get much more, uh, much more into uh, education. Uh, because if you look at the pandemic, right, what happened during the pandemic? Like, uh, people didn't go to school, right? So how many, I I'm, i don't know about you, but uh, in my uh, circle of friends, they were like, uh, yeah, my niece or whatever, she couldn't go to school like for four months and they, they didn't have uh, tablets for every student or computer accesses for a lot of them. So it was really weird. I mean, the, the COVID pandemic just showed us how much lack of preparation there is in, in education uh, in 2021. It's, it's kind of a... Surprising to me that we are so behind.
0: Yeah, and it's almost in, in a certain way relatable to the real world w- working environment as well. Like how much we've changed, you know, post uh, pandemic. You know, with a lot of companies now at least adapting to a hybrid model. You know, obviously part remote, part uh, working in the office, or in in some cases, some companies working entirely one hundred percent remote and it being extremely successful for them. So. Yeah, I guess, you know, change is good for everyone.
1: It is, definitely it is. I think uh, adapt uh, or die, as uh, some people say. And uh, some organizations and countries have been really quickly to adapt to uh, the new uh, world situation. Others have been left behind, uh, but it's often the, the case, right? So I do believe as a society, uh, in general, we should be much more uh, digital than we are. For uh, for instance, my nieces, um, they know to use a tablet or a phone better than I do, almost, right? (laughs) And They're three and six years old. So it's just definitely the future. I mean, everyone can see it. And I hope just that uh, governments tend to be really slow with those kind of things. And I just hope that the private sector will uh, will step up and bring the, the solutions that are needed in that, uh, which I feel is kind of the the, the, the basic uh, for humanity, right? Education is really at the basic of, of anything. Like if you want to achieve anything, you need great education, basically.
0: Yeah, totally agree with you. So could you explain to me um, what Morantix Labs do as a company and perhaps what they're using machine learning and NLP for?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, Of course. So we are a consultancy company. Uh, We are basically providing tailored AI solutions uh, to specific problems to many industries. So we have clients in the retail industry, the health industry, fintech, uh, the auto industry, and uh, we provide a really different kind of solution with computer vision and NLP. We have also internal uh, research projects where deep learning uh, is uh, quite important. Uh, We also do research uh, with clients, right, where they they say, okay, we we want to try a new approach. Can you help us? And we also do that. In terms of NLP, uh, we do quite specific uh, things, mostly text uh, classification use cases and text extraction. So, you know, we're going to look at uh, something in 200K pages in different languages, and we would like to extract that information. So those are typically the, the the things that we do in NLP currently, at admirantics labs. And in terms of, uh, we have many interesting projects uh, in uh, prevention, I would say. So recently we did a project with a client where the task was to, uh, to try to uh, prevent carriers from the images of the tooth. And uh, it was a success actually. So that was released recently and uh, let's see.
0: Thank you for that. And, and um, what are the sort of deepish issues that you're trying to solve at the moment?
1: Yeah, I can give you a couple of them. Uh, a big challenge that we have uh, is the challenge of segmentation. So, the core problem here that we face is uh, how quickly and reliably can we segment large amounts of data with strong class imbalance and a huge background classes, right? So, in addition, we have the labeling, the labels are noisy which make, uh, make it harder for us, for a model, to find reliable patterns. That's a, a big issue that we have currently. Another lo- uh, long-term challenge that we face is how to unlock the value of unlabeled data. So here the question is how uh, to effectively leverage a large amounts of raw data to pre-train a model and then fine-tune it on a few high-quality data samples. So labeling, I would say, is quite an issue for us at the moment.
0: We better get them uh them engineers and scientists in very soon to help solve that then
1: <laughs> definitely yes
0: now i appreciate your overview in, in, into what you do and your your job at morantix labs so you know touching on what we've been talking about the, the future of ai and stuff like that you know i want to hear from the other side of the fence as a recruiter much less from a, a technical point of view but more so in how you see the market now Then, in terms of like current trends within AI? You know, obviously I don't know how you do things as a recruiter at Morantix Labs, but yeah, could you go a little bit into how you see the market from a Morantix Labs point of view?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I think um, a lot of it is in prediction uh, currently. So uh, we've been recently contacted by a um, client in the auto industry where he wanted to uh, to determine whether or not the scratches on the cars from clients would actually um, release the insurance, right? An insurance company. So it's really on the, on the prevention side of things. I think currently uh, where trends are going, but also of things that haven't been developed yet. Like for example, as I said, I have seen some uh, projects or plans for projects in education. So how to really, cuts the, the problems that the physicality of being in a school poses, right? And also, in terms of languages, I recently saw um, a project where they tried to, uh, you would have an interface when you would say something, and that would automatically uh, translate what are you saying in four languages, which were, I think, French, Spanish, Chinese, and German, when you speak in English, and I think that's... Uh, <laughs> For me, that I speak five languages, I feel kind of betrayed (laughs) by that solution, (laughs) right? Because I'm like, I'm losing my uh, value here, I guess, or some of my value. But I think that's really uh, communication and education are some really big topics at the moment. And of course, fintech. You know, everything that uh, regards predictions, uh, finance predictions, but also accidental uh, topics. Health, right? Uh, So many companies working in the health industry to prevent cancer or to be able to scan it six months in advance just from an image that is quite uh, a bit slightly different than the the healthy lung, for example. So, yeah, I would see uh, health, education are big trends. Also, the uh, renewable energies. Of course, so um, you know, we all heard about Tesla and what they're doing in in terms of the uh, automated car. Yeah, I think those are the biggest. I guess environment, education, and health are really a big, big trends in AI at the moment. What about you? What do you think?
0: I'm glad you touched on on the healthcare because that's the biggest one I've noticed. And and for me, the you know touching on what you know excites me, it's it's healthcare as well, because there's nothing more wholesome than knowing that a, a certain sector is you know being able to help save people's lives through the through the impact of ai i think you know having look at the the morantic studio companies i believe uh, there's one or two that are, are in healthcare as a focus mm-hmm. would i be right in saying yeah that's good yeah so- something about you know detecting breast cancer early yeah yeah which is you know it's it's, it's wicked that's a. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that you you, you want to hear, you know, something that's helping save people's lives by preventing something early. So yeah, healthcare is a, a massive one. You're, you're seeing that everywhere and they're growing at an alarming rate because obviously that has a, you know, a big need. FinTech is also another one for me. Now, what I'd like to see more of is uh, more of the uh, NLU side, so the, the language, linguistics side. Now, from talking, again, you know, I obviously get my knowledge from uh, the people that I speak with, and I often put out, you know, questions or posts on LinkedIn to find out from the audience why certain things are bigger than others and why some are not. So one of the posts I did a, a while back was um, I wanted to see within my network how many people were focused on sort of NLP text and uh how many were focused on sort of NLU language understanding, and I think it was like a like an eighty-six percent vote to text. So the, the there's a, you know much less people involved in the the understanding part, and it was put simply by a few people that I've spoken with purely because of the the complexity. You know how 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 much more difficult that area is. Whereas when you look at things like computer vision, it pretty much is what it says on the tin, you know, so that people are naturally more drawn to it. And uh, someone put it in a very simple sentence, a picture speaks a thousand words. So I can see why it would appeal that way. But, and again, with the text being quite complex as well, but I find that's why I found personally NLP more fascinating because of the complexity of it. Because the fact that there's so much more to solve, in NLP in comparison to computer vision. So yeah, that's the sort of trends that I'm seeing and the what I'm noticing right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, people tend to go the easy way, right? Or in general, I would say. But I think that something that is really interesting is, um, I don't know if you saw um, the Facebook change of name like in this meta and the metaverse that they want to create. And I think that's also, I think in not so long, we'll witness the merge between AI and uh, AR and VR. Because at the end, what people want is to communicate with one another um, face-to-face, right? I mean, that's never going to change. No, I believe no application, uh, no Facebook, no nothing will ever change the feeling of speaking with one another, right? Mm -hmm. Even now, we're comfortable speaking with uh, and we're seeing each other. It's nice. But nothing is nicer than actually, you know, being able to really be face-to-face, like uh, one-meter distance and really speak uh, and interact that way. And I think many technologies are going that way. Uh, Even, um, you know, what I found, uh, nice is that um, what Tesla did with their car, that you can actually interact, you can make your car sort of a speak, and that's a feature that, that's that's not really uh, useful to you, right? You don't want a car to do that. But the car that does it, you like it more, right, yeah. because you're kind of <laughs> interacting with this robot that you have uh, for a car, and I think this is really what, um, what brings people uh, uh, what motivates people really uh, this interaction we are social animals from the beginning and uh, i think this is what uh, making the sorry the the the, the parallel with uh, Merantic studio is that we have built this ai uh, campus in berlin to kind of create this um, this environment right this uh, how can you call it it's not really environment but um, this ecosystem uh, of ai this is really the goal of this right to create first DAC ecosystem and then really expand to the whole EU. You know, like they have an ecosystem in uh, Silicon Valley, like they have a, s- a system in uh, in China, India as well. And I think this is, uh, yeah, I mean, technology always go, uh, tends to go uh, where people uh, feel connected in a way. I don't know. I, I find this kind of a connecting point to every technology that was ever made, you know, and I think everything that makes us, that, yeah, that gets us closer to one another, everything that that makes us healthier, right, with so many people in, uh, so many companies are in the health industry, doing AI, and of course, the environment with so many more people uh, being involved in it lately, right, my and your generation are all uh, in on that topic, but... If you look at ten years old, it's like a, it's like a topic you can't avoid anymore. Like you have to speak about sustainable energy, about environment. And I think, yeah, this is the future is bright. I really like where we're going. Uh, we just have to make sure that uh, AI is ethic, which is one of my, our core beliefs in uh, Labs. Uh, that AI should be ethic. And of course, with every great technology uh, comes a great responsibility, right?
0: Absolutely. You know, you have to. Anything that's invented has to have some sort of protection in it as well, especially for for, for young people, in very young people. I mean, if we look at uh, you know the world of AI on, on the grand scheme of things, even if someone doesn't even know what AI is, if they actually sat there and looked at it, they wouldn't actually realize how much AI they're already using without even knowing what it is.
1: Of course, I mean a chatbot is an AI, and I, I believe every person in the Western world has used at some point a chatbot, right? Uh, because you order to uh, Liferando or Gorillas or whatever it is, you order somewhere and instantly they have a chatbot. Hello, or you just go in a website. I mean, they they have it. So many websites have a a chatbot, and that's kind of an AI, a chatbot.
0: Yeah. Exactly that. I mean, when I first started doing NLP recruitment, um, when I was talking to my friends, who would be on a website, a little chat bot will pop up, and I'd be like, "Ah, oh, that's what I, I I do recruitment, and that's what I help people in recruitment for." And uh, in my everyday life, you know, WhatsApp, I use dictation on the WhatsApp to speak into the microphone and let it write for me. Um, when I'm recording important meetings. Um, I use a platform called Otter AI and it writes transcripts for me based on who's speaking. So, yeah, if you can use AI to your advantage to make your life easier, then absolutely I would do it. It's so advantageous for you to have more efficiency and uh, quality in your work. So, yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, uh, exactly what you say. It's. Uh, it's like Elon Musk said in one of his recent interviews, like um, we're already kind of a cyborgs because you have your phone all the day with you and your phone can tell you exactly where you are, where you have to go by GPS. It can tell you any information that you would like with just clicking on it. You're using so much of uh, computer intelligence already that uh, but people just take it for granted, right? It happens uh, many times with humans we take technology or anything for granted because you use it every day that for you is a kind of innate. But we're using AI already uh, daily, really daily, Uh, especially people working for sure. uh, They use uh, AI daily. I mean, I have zero doubts about that. Mm
0: -hmm, mm I hear what you're saying. Completely agree with that. So what I wanted to touch on, as I said from at the beginning of this conversation was I wanted the audience to get a feel of what it's like from the other side of the fence and perhaps what we can do to help uh, the listeners perhaps improve their profile or their presence in terms of especially um, engineers and scientists starting out in the field for the very first time, perhaps the ones that are in university or just about to leave and looking for their first job, their first internship, you know, the, the ways of recruitment and how perhaps you and I, you know, will look for a certain profile and what makes one stand out uh, versus one that doesn't stand out. So could you tell me a little bit about certain recruitment methods and how they've changed post-pandemic and how we'd find uh, good talent?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, Happy to do so. Um, I think uh, LinkedIn uh, recruiter uh, keeps being a very important tool of mine and I think yours as well and any recruiter. Basically, they have uh, this organic reach at the top right now and um, their algorithm works perfectly uh, and a lot of people are active on that network uh, which I would say uh, is um, the most alive uh, out there more than Instagram or Facebook could be. People are just uh, speaking, just giving a lot of content and um, a lot of uh, interesting information. But outside of that, I think what really uh, strikes me when I look at a CV is a practical example, right? So even though you can uh, be doing a PhD or a master's degree in computer science, um, but nevertheless, you you have already some practical experience. You have done a project or something uh, where you were um, largely or involved or not so largely, but you were involved. And I think this is what really is important today. Experience, really a project experience and something hands on. What have you done hands on? This is to me what's really uh, standing out in a CV, not really the school. Of course, some schools are more important than others, but you know, a school, a degree at the end is just a paper. I need to know what you actually can do, like uh, hands on. Uh, Can I bring you to a project and you can be operational from day 10, not day one, but let's say second week? For me, that's really the key. And then how I would look for profiles. I really appreciate uh, in some cultures the, the possibility to uh, to being able to interact directly. For example, uh, I would be sourcing its signs uh, at sites like genie.ru. I don't know if you're aware of it, but it's great for so- uh, software engineers and uh, data people and also machine learning uh, experts. And uh, I would uh, contact them directly on Telegram which is a social network uh, quite similar as WhatsApp. It's just encrypted, so uh, they feel more secure. <laughs> I'm not sure how much more secure it is uh, in, real, in reality, but at some point your data is somewhere, right? I mean, I don't care how encrypted the system is. But um, yeah, I would just directly contact them and write them a message, quite simple. Um, you know, I think it's it's really fast. I think uh, email is a bit old-fashioned already. I really don't send that, that much emails, to be honest, anymore. Either I call the person um, at their phone or I just try these methods of, you know, um, these kind of uh, apps like Telegram or WhatsApp. Where can, where can I quickly interact with the person? They can answer me at any time. So, you know, it's quite uh, perfect. Uh, because also the phone is quite tricky. People that uh, that are working and um, that would be the people that me and you will contact usually, they don't answer from nine to six, seven p.m. Right, so you have a really small window uh, if you don't, if you don't want to spend your evenings working. Right, so I, I would say um, being just more direct in the communication. I'm not sure with the German culture how much that would be okay. Uh, I'm not really sure that would fit currently, but they're being more and more open. To be honest, to the world. I would say anything that would save me and the candidate time uh, is a good approach.
0: Yeah, and uh, thanks for that explanation, a lot of uh, valid points there and even some points that I've learned. I've heard of Telegram, never used it for for recruitment purposes or even much at all, to be honest. I only found out about it about a month ago, but very interesting point and uh, could be advantageous for, you know, people from certain countries, certain cultures. So yeah, uh, very good point there. If I'm to sort of give my opinion on it and what I think works really well. I want to be an example from my own work and, and I feel like people should you know, be the same if they want to stand out, especially if they're looking for something new. So I think a good presence is important and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be posting all the time and stuff like that but just your profile presence in general. So it's much appreciated from my side when I go into a profile and there's a description of what they actually do, kind of touching on what you were saying about having an actual project that they've worked in. If they can perhaps talk about that project, uh, whether it's in the project section or it's in the description of their current role, or even if it's just in the about section, a little bit about you and stuff like that. Because... When I'm reaching out to you know, a short list of some top NLP engineers that I, I want to perhaps speak with and tell them about an opportunity I have uh, for, a, for a client of mine, I am much more inclined to want to reach out to them if they've got a good description of what they're currently working on and what they do and stuff like that. When it's just vague, or even, even if the job title is vague, if they just said, you know, computer specialist, but some mention of data science. I'm not sure, you know, because as we know, there's many fields within AI, and many fields within data science. I don't know whether they work with NLP, whether it's statistical modeling, computer vision, stuff like that. So I'm much more hesitant to want to reach out to them versus someone that is very descriptive and to the point of what they do. So I think, you know, a simple job title, NLP engineer, if you don't want to put that and you put data scientists, at least a description of what you do, and I think that will help you stand out as a profile, especially if you're looking for a new job or you're coming straight from university.
1: Definitely. I couldn't agree more, Jordan. I mean, um, for me, a while ago, I had this advice uh, from a former manager of mine um, who said, you need to put in in your description, what have you actually done, right? So, okay, I was at this agency. I placed 20 people in one year, uh, which made... X amount of money, uh, right, uh, and so on. Um, That just in our case example, but it it can be applied to anyone, right? I mean, if you did a project, I don't know, a model that you did in a a mail and, okay, why did you do it? What was the problem? What did you try to solve? What was your approach? I mean, information like this uh, that just can can give uh, the recruiter like uh, an idea of, okay, this is what this person did right in this project, like those, that was the the problem, this was the goal uh, or the mission, and this is the approach the person took, and that's the final result. I mean, it's really three to four uh, key points, but I think it's, it's super important, and at the end, uh, I mean, not everyone knows how to sell themselves, that's really true, that you have come across great CVs that didn't look great at all, I'm sure, I'm certain about it, I do it as well. But anyway, I think our job is also to educate the people, right? This is what we also do our job. This part of the job. And um, yeah, whenever I got the chance to uh, to give uh, an advice of someone, of course, it's just an advice. I don't call myself expert of anything, uh, but just an advice uh, from my years uh, in the field. That would be my advice to be as specific uh, and straight to the point as you could be. Uh, and that just sa- saves people a lot of time. I mean, uh, sometimes when you uh, when you get really good at the Boolean search as a recruiter, with just certain uh, words or phrases, you can find out if that person really uh, completed their profile as they should. You could find out the match uh, quite quickly. I would say.
0: Yeah, completely agree. And I think uh, just elaborating on that uh, is, whilst presence is important intertwined with that activity is important as well. So if you go on a profile and perhaps they don't have a profile photo or their profile just looks out of date, that says to me, I wonder if this person's even on LinkedIn, you know, so just being a little bit active, you know, whether you're just liking posts, you know, if you check someone's activity, you can see if they've been liking posts or interacting or whatever, because I think it's important to keep up with modern times as well, and and people that are in with the in with the new, you know.
1: Of course, yeah, definitely. I mean, I rely, um, I totally align on that point. Like, first of all, you have to always keep up with the new technology. That's kind of the right. If you want people to notice you, is you got to do it right. Uh, and then also, it shows, I guess, when you're interested in a certain topic, you actually. Um, look at that topic uh, from a close point of view, right? Like you, you're going to search for information that speak about it. Uh, as you said, you're going to like posts, you're going to read about it uh, somewhere, you're going to make comments or interact with people in a network, right? So I think that shows a lot of productivity from a person. And I think productivity is a word that comes a lot in many job ads. And uh, it's kind of a, a hard requirement for people to be hired at the end. And, you know, Emile, just tying
0: off from what I was talking about with uh, having an online presence, I think, you know, the, the, the big word for that is personal brand. Um, you're seeing it more than ever now in, in this digital age, as we've already said. For me, it's it's completely changed the way I work and helped me massively in my job. What's your views on personal brand, both from your perspective and how it can help, you know, people within AI and NLP?
1: Yeah, no, definitely, uh, Jordan, uh, you just said the magical word for me. I think personal brand is um, everyone should have one or shou- should aim to have one. Uh, when you are a candidate, is also really important. Um, where do you comment? Uh, what kind of content do you follow? What kind of content do you produce? And from my perspective as a talent manager, I mean, I've seen your content. Of course, you're kind of uh, really pushing uh uh, the boundaries in personal branding, and you've done some amazing work lately. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I really also trying to build my own personal brand. Uh, something that I really like to do is when a candidate has like a process, for example, in my case, I ask them to put a recommendation on my LinkedIn, um, which I think really works, because at the end, uh, if I have uh, 35 recommendations, that means that I'm doing my job well. Uh, people mm-hmm. don't just write a recommendation just because, right? They have to really fe- uh, feel it. And I think uh, in ML and NLP is kind of the same thing, right? I mean, once you, as we said back in the conversation, when you specialize in a topic, you kind of create a, a personal brand in terms of the content that you follow, that you put out there, but also in the people that you interact with. So if you're specialized in NLP, At a certain uh, point in time uh, your network is going to be composed also by NLP professionals Uh, and that's uh, also beneficial to your personal brand and I think uh, I really uh, saw uh, back in the day a a YouTube video of Steve Jobs speaking about marketing Mm -hmm. And he put the example of, because back in the day, Apple were doing quite terribly in that in that department. And he said the best example of marketing, and I would say brand, because uh, company brand and personal brand, they can you can kind of make uh, uh, comparisons at a certain point and a certain level. And he said the best uh, branding out there is Nike. Like Nike sells a commodity, they sell shoes. Mm-hmm. But when, th- when you think about Nike, you don't think about shoe company, right? You think about much more than that and they mm-hmm. speak about great athletes, athletics, great achievements in sport, and I think you, uh, you have to aim to do that uh, as well uh, in a personal brand, in the machine learning and AI world. You can definitely do it. Um, you have done it yourself in NLP. It's pretty obvious from your posts, and uh, yeah, the content that you create, also the people you interact with, so I think that's, that's really uh, super important and super helpful for people out there.
0: Yeah completely agree with everything you've just said there and I think to elaborate on the whole personal brand definition I don't think it's just personal as in you know about you I think it's all about community building as well so for example with my personal branding I'm always networking with people that are like-minded in my field and you know part of personal branding is showing an interest in with people that are in your field and comment and engaging on what they're doing showing a real interest and I I go out of my way to follow uh, all of the interesting people because I wouldn't say that, you know, personal branding for me has just come overnight and it's definitely not where I want it to be either. But I follow all the best people with the best content and I look at what they do and I, I, I see it's usually free sort of strategies to approach personal branding. So it's usually, uh, you know, posts that are, are about you personally, so they get to know you as an individual and then posts about your 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 relevant niche so education so people can get some real value from it and the other one is just sort of anything else so achievements successes stuff like that so achievement successes education how you can help bring value and then something personal so they know who Jordan is and stuff like that having those three key points and of course not just posting all the time but engaging in other people's content not just you know, post after post. Otherwise, it just looks like it's all about you. You know, it's a it's a community builder rather than just a personal brand.
1: Yeah, you just said the the second magic word I would say, which is community, and that's definitely the the case. I mean, at the end, what is personal branding is how the world perceives you, right? So, uh, of course, when you engage with your community, people is gonna notice that at a certain moment in time, like. Uh, LinkedIn is full of content, there is so much content, I mean, you have, I I remember, uh, if I remember correctly, you just said around 50k uh, connections, which is an amazing amount of connections. Your your feed has to be uh, changing every second, I would say, and uh, at some point, in order to make a difference, uh, you have to differentiate yourself, and personal brand is definitely a way to do it. And engaging with your community, as you said, commenting other people's posts. Having a conversation in uh, I mean I've seen threads of maybe 20 to 30 uh, messages right exchanges between people in a single mm-hmm. comment section. That's also great. People see that you that they, uh, you know that you care about what they have to say and that, that you also have arguments maybe to defend your point of view or, or just to discuss an open topic. So yeah definitely community and personal brands, those are two magic words that people should really pay attention to
0: yeah and it's just about bigging each other up as well like if there's people relevant in your field and they've put out some good content credit credit them for their content you know if you're going to post it credit them for it you know if you want to go even further then, then do so I'll give you an example there's a, a wonderful lady called uh, Doigu she she wrote um, a book called Mastering Spacey uh, you know it's to do with AI and NLP and stuff like that machine learning and I thought what a great a great book to you know to get out to the network so I, I asked her personally if I could do a post personally about it so my network can see it as well so it has a greater reach which I did and then uh, my other recent guest I think he was uh, episode three Ivan Billen um, he has this, uh, this, this uh, little book thing if you like like a a list of all different things within NLP that you can learn from called the NLP Pandect. It's a Greek word, Pandect, uh, on his GitHub. So, uh, you know, if you want to learn about something specific with NLP, it's no doubt got something in relation to podcasts, to articles, um, you know, many different things, basically, to learn from. So I I asked Ivan if I could uh, sort of display his NLP Pandect on my actual LinkedIn in my uh, bio so that when NLP will, be, will go on my profile, it will say, you know, if you want to find out the relevant news or learnings of NLP, then click, the, you know, go to this link from Ivan Billen. So that's on my profile Viewers to look on it right now.
1: All right. You said it. I mean, that's, uh, that's how you do it. That's how you engage with people. and. Uh... I think this is a value creation, what you just said, right? If I can give you a certain tip or information that will help you enhance your uh, knowledge and education on a certain topic, that's already uh, doing more than most people do, right? I mean, what I really uh, tend to see in my feed uh, in LinkedIn is just people posting. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, either uh, they try this, um, the quiz thing, right, like they ask for uh, possible answers, no, not the quiz, but I'm sorry. I just forgot the word in English. The,
0: the, the poll vote. The yes, vote thing. exactly.
1: The polls, which is now a bit of a trend, I would say. Or they will just write a super long post on something and just say, OK, I am uh, i don't want to hear of this topic anymore, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know. I mean, for me, the content has to be more than just posting every day. And uh, and it can be in another channel. It doesn't necessarily need to be LinkedIn. But... You have to to do something else. Uh, this is not how you engage in, in your community because, as you said, if I'm po- if I'm only posting, that means that it's only about myself, and that's mm-hmm. that's not what a community is about.
0: Yeah, and it's it's hard to be an expert in you know engagement and personal branding. I'm still learning, as I said. Um, but you know, I read somewhere from a lady I can't remember her name, but she put a post out. It said. Uh, part of learning is doing something that you're not qualified to do initially and then learning it that way. That's, that's how you build your foundation to, to yourself. Yeah. Doing something that you're not qualified to do at first, but doing it anyway, you know, and learning mistakes and wins and then just improving yourself that way.
1: Yeah, totally. uh, uh try and, uh, mistake and uh, try again right i mean that's that's how humans learn the best i think can be painful sometimes but um for me is the best way as well uh until you don't practice something uh, you can read 1000 books it's not gonna make it
0: totally agree totally agree so personal branding is key i think we can we're happy to say that (laughs) an online presence and activity is is a must in this digital world especially with the way we're moving now with remote and hybrid options you know you're not always in the office so to be digital and active you know staying present is important definitely so what do you think l- looking to join a new company or get into the world of ai are, are looking for in a company nowadays
1: uh, i would say if you are looking into a more of a research position definitely a phd helps uh that's for sure If you're more on the upside, then uh, definitely, um, I I guess, being specialized helps a lot, right? If you're specialized in LLP, in computer vision, I think that helps a lot, to be honest. Like AI, as you said, it is such a a vast field that you can't be an expert on everything. That's not possible at all. And even in one topic, uh, you're not going to know everything because that changes every day. New things come across. Uh, and you also have to keep uh, with the learnings, right, and the past positive experiences. So I would say just specialize is the word here. Um, I would really – I'm sure people that got, uh, go into this field uh, are attracted by a certain topic, uh, and computer vision and NLP are quite different, right, uh, for instance to put example of those two. Uh, so I would say if you can specialize and go deep into a certain topic, uh, that will help you a lot. Because, to be honest, there are quite some people that have certain knowledge and uh, many on, on quite some areas, but then uh, there is not a lot of people that are super specialized on one topic. Maybe you can tell me more because uh, your work is, uh, I would say, almost exclusively with NLP uh, professionals. But I'm sure that you have seen uh, some of those that are just really, really specialized, like they did NLP from the get and they're really above the lot, like they're they're really above the average uh, NLP engineer.
0: Well, yeah, straight away by being specialized, what it does for number one is uh, it makes you more in demand in my personal opinion, from my observation, because um, if you're specialized in one area, you know, you know close to expert if you like or, or very advanced rather than being a jack of all trades um when that certain requirement comes comes alive they're going to go what, what are they going to go for someone that's done it a little bit but knows a bit of everything or they're going to go for someone that's nlp specialized and has done it for many many years they're going to go for the nlp specialized person Definitely. and because they're there's a limited supply and high demand you know they're going to do go they're going to go over the odds to get that person on board as well, whether that's a, a better salary package, uh, a better you know conversation package, or just you know any form of package that could attract that person, depending on what matters to that to that candidate. So I think that's that's one point, and um, you know if I relate it back to me, you know I. If I can paint this example, I'm sure it translates into someone that's a technical NLP person. As I said, I started off doing, NL, sorry, DevOps recruitment initially, and it was very fruitful for me in, in Germany. Uh, you know, I've got some great clients and, you know, I was a, the best version of myself I possibly could be within DevOps to, to what, to what level I can understand it from a non-technical point of view. And I, I flourished in that, but when I started my own company, Wanted to do a little bit of everything because I wanted to make sure that with my clients, I was covering all of their IT areas. Because before when I was in a big company, whatever areas they needed help with, you know, another consultant would do that. But when you start your own company, obviously, there's not another consultant just to give it to straight away anyway. So I wanted to make sure that I was covering all areas for them. But you just cannot do it, not on your own not to the best best of your ability, not the same way you would do if you just specialize. So I've always been honest with my clients. You know, there's certain areas where I will continue to help them. I DevOps, still the, I still feel I can help there and anything in AI in general. But if they're asking me to do um, several different roles, I'm just not going to give the same quality that perhaps someone else could do. Perhaps someone else that specialized in, let's say, UX design or Uh, quality assurance engineers and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I just agree with you um, 100%. Also, the the thing is that you're entertaining a community, right? When you get specialized, you really, you can have like 30,000 followers, the top possible number on LinkedIn. But at some point, you have interact with a certain kind of people uh, the longest and just uh, uh, the more often possible. And that's not with the 30K followers that you have or 30K connections. That's really with a small number that you get to that kind of confidence and interaction. And when you build a network uh, around really a specialized topic like you're doing now with NLP, at some point, you really know all the, the players, in the field. Yeah. At some point, you just do. It's it's how it goes with any um, any kind of relationship. Uh, when you spend a certain amount of time in a certain topic, you already get the knowledge needed. And also, I mean, you're not an engineer, but I'm sure that your technical level is good enough to be able to speak with even the, the top top players, right? Someone, I don't know, with 15 years in the field, he wouldn't feel uh, bored by speaking with you. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you can entertain a certain kind of relationship. And you cannot do that with uh, 10,000 people. Let's be honest here. Uh, you don't have the time, the physical time to actually do it. So it's a small portion. If you have, like, let's say, 15K uh, connections, maybe it's with 1,500, which will be 10%. And uh, that's how it goes. And uh, when you are specialized, then you you know the key players of uh, of the domain. And you're more efficient. You're better at your job, as you said. Um, Also, being educated daily on the topic as the topic evolves is easier for you because it's just one topic and not 10 different topics. So then you you get lost. And maybe in in certain topic, uh, I don't know, you spend three months without getting um, any kind of education, then you're completely lost because so many new things have happened in three months. So I don't know, I think it's it's really a key word. To some people can uh, sound really simple, but it's really not. I mean, it's really the key word here, being specialized in a, in a certain field.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think that is where the future of recruitment is going. Um, another thing that being specialized uh, improves both from a recruiter side of the fence and, and, a, and a technical person's side of the fence is your vis- visibility as well. So the more specialized, the more visible you become. And I read somewhere that said uh, the more visible you are, the more people will want to do business with you because they can see you. <laughs> people want to do business with someone that they feel familiar with, even if they've not spoken to that person before. If you see you know, my posts here and there a few times a week or you've seen that I've interacted with someone that you know on the comment section, when I approach you for the very first time, because technically you know, at that point, we've never interacted, I don't know you, you don't know me, but you feel like you do because you've seen my name, you've seen my presence. There's almost an element of trust without having even spoken to me. And I think that can translate into any field, not just recruitment.
1: No, definitely. I mean, it's what you said. You're going to comment on a certain topic, right? I mean, you're not going to comment on 100 different things. You're going to stay on your lane... Uh, which it doesn't mean that you can be cu- curious once more. I mean, people need to understand that there is a difference between being specialized in something and being curious uh, because I'm a really curious person and uh, I, I am interested in so many topics, but I'm not going to become expert in all those topics, right? I mean, uh, I'm just interested and I kind of hear things and listen to certain people. But, I mean, your content production, you, you're going to produce a lot of content on LinkedIn or other networks as well, right? And when that's also around one topic, and you get a lot of knowledge on it. Is what you said. People is gonna start looking and hearing at you because you're gonna first speak truths, alright, or, or things that are that make sense. You're not gonna just uh, any jabberish. And then, uh, oh yeah, this guy's talking about this. I mean, an expert could see, could recognize a fool. Sorry for the word, <laughs> yeah. uh, from a mile away. And um, when you actually speak about uh, a topic that you understand, usually you don't. Uh, uh, you're not wrong. Or not entirely wrong in the topic, right? And uh, certainly, people is gonna start speaking about you. And uh, I guess it goes even now in 2022, soon to be. I think the word to mouth, right? That works always. I mean, when when, uh, when you make a business with a key player, in your case, he's gonna speak uh, to his friends. That's just gonna happen. This is this is how humans are. <laughs> Program to function, when you have a good experience, you're going to talk about it to your friends. When you have a bad experience, you're also going to talk about it and say, don't never go go to this place. But especially if you have a good experience, and in recruitment, that's not really the case most of the times. (laughs) uh, Then certainly you're going to speak to your CEO friends and say, hey, uh, this Jordan, guys, is actually good. Take a look at it. Uh, And um, Mm -hmm. that's really how it goes. I mean, business uh, seems really difficult, but at the end of the day, uh, it's really simple in the core.
0: Nothing good comes easy, I, I always say. But um, no, I've got to say, I really appreciate hearing your story and listening listen to what you've got to say from the other side of the fence. You know, I'm used to speaking with, 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 with technical people, but I really wanted to do this purely because you're in the same position as me. And I wanted to hear, you know, someone like-minded who can relate to what I'm saying. And I think the message here really is you know if you want to land better jobs have better opportunities come your way it's about we've we've established here having a good presence online in any field not just recruitment not just tech any field having a good presence online show your face show your visibility and uh yeah just be present i mean this has all come, this has all been emphasized and fast-tracked, I think about five years because of the pandemic, yeah. you know, whilst it was a, a terrible time, uh, you know, some positives have come from it. And uh, it's bringing us closer in terms of um, a digital perspective, you know, being interactive with people online. So, you know, I've got to say Emil, um, thank you so much for your time and uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So if, you know, the listeners that are listening right now, wanted to speak with you or find out a little bit more about Morantix Labs or yourself, um, is, is LinkedIn the best way to reach out to you?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I would say uh, LinkedIn, Emil uh, Odzakov, O-D-Z-H-A-K-O-V. Uh, that will be the, um, the best, easiest way. Also Morantix Labs, we're also on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm managing the account and uh, also really, uh, you could go directly to our website there. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me, Jordan. It was a pleasure to speak with you. I feel that we're gonna speak much more in the future uh, and uh, maybe work together, let's see uh, what's going on. But um, yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, it was a great chat and looking forward to, uh, to speaking to you again.
0: Likewise, Emil, absolute pleasure. And again, thank you so much for your time. So for everyone listening, this was the NLP Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Luxford. And today's guest was Emil from Around Six Labs.